Hey, Little Things listeners. Thank you so much for being here. First and foremost, I get that you have a lot buying for your time. I'm a wife, I'm a mama, and I work. So I understand that your time is limited and precious and that when you take time out of your day to listen to an episode of Little Things, it's not a small thing. So first of all, I want you to know that I appreciate you and I feel like we're on this faith journey together and I'm glad you're along for the ride. Second, I have a big announcement. Well, it's big to me. Hopefully it will be big to you guys too that I'm gonna make, but not today. At the beginning of next week's episode, I'm gonna let you in on a little gift that I have for you. And so join me then. Until then, God bless you. And here's today's episode. I am super excited about today's episode, which is called Prayer. The big, the small, and everything in between. Hey, it's Amber, wife, mother, type A child of God. Here are little things we look at everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for listening. So just before New Year's, I met with a friend and we both were reading, we both had ordered this book, On Our Knees by Phil Wickham, right before Christmas. So we had decided we were going to start it January 1st. I also had started this book, Spurgeon. I've talked about it before, Prayer and Spiritual Warfare. And so uh, going through them simultaneously is amazing. And it's just this full picture of, of prayer and it's, been such a fun experience to go through with someone else. But the funny thing is that we are both resonating with a different book. Clearly, I have loved Prayer and Spiritual Warfare. It's very lengthy. It's deep, super insightful. She is trudging through Prayer and Spiritual Warfare. I keep sending her little bits like, hey, wait till you get to this page. It's so great. She's like, all right, I'll keep going. Whereas she's really resonating with this. I actually found today's devotion. I found something um, to use in this. And so I I also like Phil Wickham's uh, book too. It's just very different feel. And that's just to say that, you know, I know that I'm not everybody's cup of tea and that some people resonate more with CL Whiteside or with Pastor Jeremy Maddock. And isn't it just a a wonderful blessing that we have so many different things to turn to so many different people who can teach us about God. And we don't have to worry about if someone doesn't resonate with us or doesn't resonate with something else, you know, because God makes sure that his people have someone. Right. And so anyway, what I really want to talk about to begin today is King Asa. Now he was a phenomenal King in the old Testament by all by all means, but he had one, one huge thing in prayer that he didn't do. So to start off with, I want to direct you to second Chronicles. Sorry, chapter uh, 14 verses nine to 12, which say this. Zerah the Cushite marched out against them with an army of thousands upon thousands and 300 chariots and came as far as Marishah. Asa went out to meet him and they took up battle positions in the valley of Zephathath near Marishah. 
Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you and in your name. We have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled. So here is King Asa, and he's got this enemy that came against him. And I love that Phil Wickham says that, look, Asa didn't go looking for a battle. He didn't just want to put another notch in his belt as to, you know, being a great warrior. These people came against him and Asa immediately went to God and was like, hey, I'm powerless. I cannot do this. I get it. I need you. Please come to our help. Come to our aid. And God miraculously did. So amazing, right? Yeah, it's amazing until you realize that a little later in his life, Asa had another problem and he failed to pray about it. So 2 Chronicles 16 verses 12 to 14 say this. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. And the point of God telling us that I think, is to tell us, look, I knew about it. I probably would have healed it. I'm thinking God was saying, he never turned to me for help. He never asked. And therefore, he died. So he had all these huge victories. He had these enemies that came out across uh, against him who he could not defeat on his own. And with God's help, He defeated mighty armies. But when he had a disease in his feet, he failed to take it to God in prayer. What does that tell us? It tells us we shouldn't just pray about the big things or the things that we think are worthy of prayer. We need to pray about everything. And I do mean everything. Look, there are so many things I can't do on my own. So, As you know, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, I drive an hour to work, drive an hour there, drive an hour back. And so this winter, early on, early December, was a nightmare. It was, the weather was not great. Every time I was going to work, it was slippery conditions, snow, There was freezing rain one time. There was an accident that closed the road. I couldn't get through. I had to turn around, come back home, go a different route. I mean, for like two and a half weeks, I was late so many times. And I thought, this is ridiculous. This is the beginning of a winter. How am I going to do this? And finally, I prayed and I said, God, I don't care if it snows. Could you just let it snow after I get home from work or on my days off? but not so that it affects the commute that I have to, you know, take and I am not able to get to work on time. Now, why hadn't I prayed this before? Because I was thinking, why should I pray that it doesn't snow when I'm driving to work? All these other people have to drive to work. I don't want it to snow on their, you know, days when they have to drive to work. And then I realized, you know what? They can pray and God can sort that out. (laughs) But right now I'm struggling to get to work on time. And so I'm going to pray and ask God to please help me 
And you know what? He has. I did drive to work one day this week and it was not great, but by and large, the roads have been much, much better. So if there are things in your life that you're thinking, oh, I don't even bother God with that. Stop. Can you do it on your own? Are you able to manage? Look, if your kids aren't sleeping through the night, if you can't get the potty training done, if you have teens who don't want to listen to you, if they're in pure rebellion mode, if I don't care what it is, if you don't have the money to make the rent, go to God. He is there for us. He is like a father. And listen, I live with my husband and he's been a dad for 23 years almost now. And let me tell you something he cannot do. My husband has a terrible time saying no to his children. And I don't care if it's a big thing or a small thing. The other day he came to me and he said, I'm thinking we should go to Iceland for a vacation. I'm like, are you kidding? Where have you come up with this idea? I just want to take the kids to Iceland. I think it would be amazing. I'm like, that sure would be amazing. He doesn't care if it's a small thing or a big thing. If my kids had a tummy ache, if their pinky toe hurt, they would come to their dad and he would do what he could. Why do we struggle to thank God, our Heavenly Father, who taught us to pray, Abba, Father, Dad? Why do we think he doesn't care about what's on our heart, what's on our mind, what we're struggling with? I know my humanity. And I know that there's a whole lot of stuff I can't do on my own. So I'm not even trying anymore. I come to God and I always figure I'm going to ask for the banana split with the cherry on top. If God wants to give me stale bread or, you know, a crumb or watery soup, that's up to him. But I'm going to ask because I don't want to get to heaven and realize God really was willing to give me so much more, but I never asked. How sad is that? Okay, so that's the first point that I want to make. Don't just pray for the big things. Pray for the small things. Pray for everything in between. Then the second thing I want to point out is how big God is. So sometimes we struggle with praying for the small things. But sometimes, quite honestly, we struggle because we don't see a way out. Because something is so horrific and so bad. And when we look at it, we think there's no way. Like, I don't even know. I, I don't know how God could get me out of this. This is so bad. And there are so many people affected that there's, there's no good answer. I want to direct you to Charles Spurgeon. Because you know what he said? We don't have to see the answer. So Spurgeon has a whole chapter on Psalm 50, verse 15, which says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will glorify me. And Spurgeon points out that God didn't say, I might deliver you. He didn't say, I'll consider delivering you. Call upon me. And if it works for me, if it's convenient for me, he was like, look, when you're in trouble, call to me. I'll deliver you. I'm the guy every time. Just come to me. First resort right here. But this is the thing. Sometimes when we have this 
huge, 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 huge thing. And we're like, I, I don't see an answer. Spurgeon beautifully said, we don't have to see the answer. So listen to this. He said, the apostles wrote, Hebrews 11, verse 3 says this, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the worlds were made by God. I am sure of it, yet I did not see him making them. I did not see the light appear when he said, let there be light. I did not see him divide the light from the darkness and gather the waters together so that the dry land appeared. Yet I am quite sure that he did all of this. Even though I was not there to see God make even a bird or a flower, all the evolutionists in the world cannot shake my conviction that God created the world. Why should I not have the same kind of faith about God's answer answer to my prayer in my time of trouble? If I cannot see how he will deliver me, why should I wish to see it? He created the world well enough without my being there and knowing how he would do it. And he will deliver me without my finger, my having a finger in it. It is no business of mine to see how he works. My business is to trust in my God and to glorify him by believing that what he has promised, he is able to perform. Look, God glories in this. When the situation is so out of control and you don't see an answer and you're just like, God, I mean, this is huge. This is so big. I, you know, I can't even pray about it. That's exactly when we have to pray about it. Because like Spurgeon said, look, we weren't there when God created the world and he did it anywhere. We don't have to see the end, the answers and the way this is going to end. We don't have to know. We don't have to tell God. So it looks like this is really a big mess. So if you could first sort this part out and then after that, if you could work on that and then maybe he's not a man. All we have to do is go, God, I help. I need you. Make this work out. Show me. Just cause these things to happen and I will glorify you. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Whether it's a small thing or a huge thing, we just need to go to God. And Spurgeon said this too, which I thought was really, really powerful. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And Spurgeon had a whole chapter on the ravens, which my friend who is reading the book did not appreciate nearly as much as I did. It was in the raven chapter that I determined I was going to keep prayer and spiritual warfare. I was going to start marking my book up and I would forever keep this in my library. It's not getting passed on. This is what Spurgeon said. Ravens come without being invited, yet they are not sent away empty. You come as an invited guest. How can you be denied? The birds just caw when they're hungry and God answers them. He invites us to pray to him, to come into his presence with whatever's on our heart. Why would we not 
So the nitty gritty. How do we pray? How do we make prayer more of a priority? What should we do? How do we do it? I'm just going to give you a couple suggestions. There are so many things that you can do. There's so many ways you can do this. So if you have a great idea, send it my way. I'd love to hear about it. But here's just a few things that might help you. I've mentioned that as I'm reading the Bible now, I'm journaling my way through. It's more of a prayer journal. I'm going through the Bible very slowly um, in the Gospels right now. This year, I really decided that I wanted to just walk with Jesus. So right now, I'm in the book of Matthew, and I just take three to five verses a day, just a small little bit, because I really want to pray over it. I want to think about it. I want to delve in deeply. So just I'm just going to show you what I did today and the way I prayer journal it so that you can get sort of an idea about this. So I just read today Matthew chapter 3. And I, re I read verses four to six, which say this. It's about John the Baptist. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So just those verses, and I just made one observation that the um, camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist reminded me of Elijah in the Old Testament. And then the note in my study Bible said this, John's simple food, clothing, and lifestyle were a visual protest against self-indulgence. So I said this in my little journal. I just wrote this. Every culture at every time has struggled with this. Satan tempts us to seek our own pleasure and use what we have for our own good to get ahead in life. Oh God, keep me from self-indulgence and greed. Help me to notice others and to work to influence them for good, to help them when they need help. Show me the ways I've fallen into this trap so I can break the strongholds of Satan in my life. People went to John. Clearly, God, you led them to John. Surely, as Jesus said, he had nothing to attract people. He wasn't putting on a show. So God, lead people into your churches. And God, lead people to time of grace. And lead people to kingdom workers and to all the mission fields you have for people so they can find you. Please, God, provide the workers to work in the fields. Let us be your workers to do your work. So the simple act of reading my Bible and meditating on it causes me to pray for whatever it is that I'm reading about in the word that day. And it has just made my prayer life so much richer because I'm just reading the Bible and then praying about it. And so that's one way that I have really changed my prayer life is by praying about what I'm reading in the Bible. I had a woman come up to me at a leadership conference recently, and I had sat by her the last day of a conference we were at in July. And let me tell you, it wasn't necessarily a great day for me. I was feeling overwhelmed. You know, so often these conferences are filled with so many things. You see people that you haven't seen for a long time. You talk about things. They bring up a lot of stuff. Sometimes there's you know, some 
trouble or hardship that is brought up, you see people you haven't seen for a while and they're telling you about a struggle in their life. And so in many ways, these conferences are wonderful and fascinating and great and they point you to God, but they're also somewhat overwhelming and they can just kind of bring you to a emotional wreck by the end. And so this day that I had sat down next to her, I did not know her from Adam. I had never met her. And I think in some ways that made it very easy for me to talk to her. So I just sat down next to this woman. I've never had a problem talking anyway. And um, she started talking to me and she had heard my podcast and she said, you know, how can I pray for you? And I said, it's funny that you ask. I, you know, I just, I gave her a list. I, I was like, I, I'm struggling with this. I have this, da, 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 da. Show me, Lord, what I should do about this, that, whatever. She took it seriously. She took it so seriously that she had a notebook, much like I have for my prayer journal. And she came up to me at this leadership conference seven months later. She opened up a page of her journal. She showed me my name and the five or six things that she has been praying over me since that conference. And then she said to me, which ones do I need to change? I was completely overwhelmed. That was probably the nicest, most unbelievable gifts that anybody could ever give me because she listened to me. She took my prayer request seriously and she's been going to the throne of God on my behalf for all these months. I was floored. That is a beautiful, beautiful way to pray for people. When your friends come to you and say, could you pray for this? To seriously take time to put a page in a notebook and to think about how you want to pray about each specific thing that they're talking about and then to do it, that is taking prayer seriously. Okay. I also had a friend that I, I house sat for once. And as she was showing me around, she was showing me the plants that she needed watered and she was showing me all this, you know, what I needed to do. And um, she had left a bunch of stuff for me on her table so I could do all the things that I was supposed to do. And in the middle of her table, she had her prayer list. And she figured that if she ate at that table three times a day, that three times a day, she would see the prayer list. Again, here's a woman who took praying for people seriously. Unbelievable. These people, when you ask them for prayer, they put you on the list. You know, the sweetest thing, I have a resident at work who's a Christian woman. And for the longest time, she didn't know my name, which was fine. I don't expect people to know my name, but when she found out my name and we started talking and the Lord came up and all this, I came in one day and I noticed I had made her list. There's only a few names on her list, but it's her prayer list. And my name was there on the bottom. And recently we had to move things around in her room. There, there was some illness and they had to be in isolation and it it's kind of a big deal. And I came across that prayer list and I was so touched because my name was on her list. And then if you don't do that, 
there's one other way that you can make sure that you are praying for the people who ask you for prayer. And that is when they ask you for prayer, you can stop what you're doing that very minute. And either because you're in person, you can pray over them and just start praying exactly, you know, what they're asking you to pray. Or if you get in an email or if you get in a text, start praying. In fact, these days, if a friend texts me and says, can you pray for me? This is what's going on. I immediately text back a prayer. I don't wait to forget it. I just start, Heavenly Father, I come to you on behalf of so-and-so. Work in their lives. Let them see. Help them. Whatever. Because I don't want to forget Now, those are just a few ways that you can, you know, really enrich your prayer life. But the bottom line is Spurgeon really opened my eyes. We're in the middle of spiritual warfare here. And God has given us so many gifts to use, including prayer. And it really is in our best interest and in the best interest of God's people to go to God in prayer often for the things that we need help with and on behalf of our fellow Christians because the battle is fierce and we're not strong enough, but we have God and that's the point. So I hope this helps. I'm really passionate and excited about it because I have, my whole life has changed. My prayer life has changed and I hope that it does something to you too. This has been Little Things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things.